RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Ten more people who live in an old tenement block in Jordan are confirmed with COVID-19. Experts warn only around a a third of people here may be willing to get vaccinated against the coronavirus. And Carrie Lamb says district councillors and chief executive election committee members may need to take oaths of allegiance. A COVID outbreak at an old tenement block in Jordan has worsened, with 10 more residents living in partitioned flats confirmed to be infected. Richard Pine has details. The 10 new confirmed infections took the total number of cases at the block on Reclamation Street to 21, while four other residents tested preliminary positive for the virus. Some of those infected worked at construction sites for the Lam Tin Chunquano Tunnel, the third runway at the airport, and the new Central Kowloon Route Highway Project, which have all been hit by coronavirus outbreaks of their own. Dr. Chuang Shekwan of the Center for Health Protection said all residents living in the block would be ordered to undergo coronavirus tests. The Reclamation Street 20, 22, 24 and 26, they're in a whole block, but in four buildings. The buildings are connected to each other, the corridors, so they can walk through. Meanwhile, health authorities reported a total of 60 new coronavirus cases on the day. All of the infections were locally acquired, 13 of them via unknown sources. Researchers at Chinese universities say the city should be prepared for a low take-up rate for COVID-19 vaccinations, with only 37% of respondents to a survey saying they were willing to get the jabs. Joanne Wong reports. Paul Chan, who heads the university's Department of Microbiology, acknowledged the acceptance rate is low compared with other parts of the world, where it ranges between 60 and 90 percent. The poll, covering more than a thousand people, also asked respondents about factors affecting their vaccination decisions. It found that people were more willing to get vaccinated if the government recommends that they did so. Professor Chan urged the government to do more to clear up misunderstandings over coronavirus vaccines vaccines to help people make an informed choice. People really want to understand the severity outcome to themselves before they want to take the vaccine. Rural authorities in Lanchun in Taipo have announced they'll be closing down their famous wishing tree for the first nine days of the Lunar New Year because of the coronavirus. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, says district councillors and members of the election committee who select the chief executive should be regarded as public officers under the national security law and be required to take an oath of office. Richard Pine has the story. Article 6 of the National Security Law states that a Hong Kong resident standing for election or assuming public office shall confirm in writing or take an oath to uphold the basic law and swear allegiance to the SAR without defining exactly who should be regarded as public officers. Asked about the matter ahead of the weekly EXCO meeting, Mrs. Lam said the basic law sets out what she calls a narrow scope for the oath-taking requirement, while the national security law covers a wider scope. She said there are varied definitions of public officers in local laws, and the government is still studying how to define the term. But the CE pointed out that based on common sense, district councils, though without real political power, are important organizations within the city's political system and the 1,200 members of the election committee have the even more important duty to select the city's leader. She said these two groups of people should be taken as public officers and be required to take the oath under the national security law. 
Carrie Lam also dismissed suggestions the arrests of 55 pro-democracy figures last week under the national security law were aimed at silencing dissent. She stressed police were merely enforcing the law. The CE also accused overseas countries who've spoken out against the arrests of adopting double standards, noting how quickly they condemned rioters who stormed the US capital last week while praising Hong Kong protesters. Since June 2019, Everybody has seen what has happened in Hong Kong. We have rampant violence and riots, uh, undermining the safety of Hong Kong people, properties and businesses. But some overseas uh, commentators or politicians were sort of condoning or encouraging this sort of activities under the guise of democracy. But when the same thing seemed to happen in their own country, they, took, they immediately took a very different approach to condemn the violence, and some said that this was verging on sedition uh, in American society. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. Police Chief Chris Tang has condemned an attack by a group of black-clad people on security guards at Chinese University yesterday. One student from the university has been arrested so far. A large group of officers today conducted investigations on campus. Wendy Wong has more details. Commenting on the incident, the police commissioner said the force is still investigating the case, such as whether the others involved are also students from the university. Chinese University said in a statement eight people went on a rampage at a security counter set up by the school near University MTR station, damaging facilities and throwing an unknown white powder at the guards before fleeing. According to CUHK Campus Radio, the group had urged students not to show their IDs to security staff. One of the guards was sent to hospital for treatment. Mr. Tan said he was angry and disheartened to learn about the incident at his alma mater. He said the security guards were just doing their job and accused those taking part in the attack of failing to obey law and order. A 21-year-old man has been sentenced to six months in prison after he was found guilty of resisting police during an anti-government protest on Christmas Eve in 2019. Vicky Wong reports. Kowloon City Magistracy heard that the defendant, Lo Chun Sing's action, led to an officer breaking his finger and another injuring his forehead. He was convicted of three counts of resisting police during a protest at the Harbour City Mall in Chim Sha Chui. On that day, anti-government demonstrations broke out in various parts of the city. Magistrate Jackie Ip said the defendant kept wiggling his body when he was being pinned to the ground by officers and used his elbow to hit an officer in the stomach. The magistrate said the 21-year-old continued to resist when three other officers came to subdue him, causing injuries to himself and the officers. The magistrate said a deterrent sentence was needed and the defendant was given prison terms of between three and six months for each of the three offences to be served concurrently. He was released on bail pending an appeal. The government has defended its plan to require over 60s to get a personalised octopus card before they can benefit from a $2 public transport subsidy scheme, saying the current arrangement is ripe for abuse. Lawmakers have slammed the administration for an expected one-year delay in expanding the scheme to people aged between 60 and 64. Violet Wong has more details. The government first proposed expanding the $2 public transport subsidy scheme to all over 60s a year ago, but the authorities now say the plan won't be implemented until the first quarter of next year at the earliest. That's because some 600,000 people between 60 and 64 years old would need to get new personalised octopus cards that bear their photos and their ages first. Welfare Secretary Lo Chi Kuang stressed that such an arrangement is needed to curb abuse of the programme which he said may be costing the government hundreds of millions of dollars a year. 
Currently, only those over 65 are eligible for the special $2 fares. But people can use anonymous octopus cards with no mechanism to check that they are actually of the right age. Mr. Law says the new requirement for personalized octopus cards will solve this problem. When we have to check whether there's a genuine use of that card by the right person, then we can double check with, say, the ID card and together with the personal card. But the minister says people don't have to rush out to get personalized octopus cards just yet, because detailed arrangements will be made public later. A cybersecurity expert says people should avoid sending sensitive personal data like photos or information of passports or ID cards via WhatsApp. After the messaging app announced a privacy policy change, Wendy Wong reports. Anthony Lai made the comments after WhatsApp announced it will soon change its policy and will start sharing a host of data with its parent company, Facebook. Those who do not agree with the new terms will no longer be able to use the app. Mr. Lai said it's probably a good idea to use more than one testing app to reduce the risk of privacy infringement, adding users should also avoid uploading their personal information onto any third-party servers. A large number of WhatsApp users are moving to other instant messaging apps like Signal and Telegram, with some saying they will stop using Facebook as well. Nearly five million more people have been placed under lockdown in areas surrounding Beijing because of a rising number of COVID cases across the border. Candice Wong has details. The city of Langfang in Hebei Province says its 4.9 million residents will be put under home quarantine for seven days and be subject to mass testing in the latest attempt to curb the spread of the coronavirus. Two counties bordering the capital, Guan and Sanhe, earlier announced home quarantine measures, and the provincial capital of Shijiazhuang imposed a lockdown last week. The National Health Commission reported 55 new COVID-19. Cases today, down from 103 a day earlier. Hebei Province accounted for 40 of the 42 locally transmitted infections. Mainland authorities say experts from the World Health Organization will begin their mission to investigate the origin of COVID-19 on Thursday, after repeated delays by Beijing. A foreign ministry spokesman said the team of international experts will travel to the mainland from Singapore, and they'll have to remain in quarantine for two weeks after their arrival. London says British companies doing business in China will face fines if they're unable to demonstrate that they're not linked to forced labour in Xinjiang province. This report from the BBC's James Landale. Under current law, companies with a turnover of 36 million pounds or more are supposed to say every year what they've done to ensure slavery is not used in their supply chains. But there's no penalty if they don't. The Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab told MPs that will change, and firms will be fined if they do not meet the transparency requirements. There'll also be new guidance for firms and public sector organisations about the risks of trading with Xinjiang, where he said there is growing evidence of more than a million Uyghurs and other minorities being held in forced labour camps. Mr. Raab also promised a review of export controls for UK goods going to Xinjiang. The King of Malaysia, Al Sultan Abdullah, has declared a nationwide state of emergency, the first in 50 years, to combat a rise in coronavirus cases. The move will allow the administration of Prime Minister Muhyiddin Yassin to govern without the approval of Parliament, which is now suspended, and to overrule state governments and the constitution. Mr. Muhyiddin said the government needed to take immediate action to tackle the spread of COVID-19. 
Kes jangkitan COVID-19 semakin COVID-19 infections are on the rise and show no sign of decline in the near future. Therefore, the government needs to have certain powers to ensure this outbreak can be curbed more effectively. After considering the advice of the cabinet, His Majesty was satisfied that there was a need to issue an emergency proclamation to enable this law to be installed. Indonesia has confirmed that the black box with flight data has been retrieved from the passenger plane which crashed into the waters near Jakarta three days ago. The country's military chief said he believed the second black box with the cockpit voice recorder would be found soon. The BBC's Jonathan Head reports. Two days after they first detected signals underwater, Indonesian divers were able to retrieve the Boeing 737's flight data recorder, one of the two so-called black box recorders carried on most passenger aircraft. This will indicate what was happening to the controls and engines in the last minute of flight when the airliner suddenly veered off its assigned route and then plunged almost vertically into the sea. India's Supreme Court has delayed the implementation of new agricultural laws that have caused widespread protests. It said the laws would be put on hold until a compromise was reached between the government and the farmers. The BBC's Rajini Vijanathan is in Delhi. It certainly does lean things on the farmer's side rather than the government because effectively the Supreme Court has put a stay on these government laws. These three laws which the government says will liberalise the farming sector, open it up to private players and the government says will actually be beneficial to farmers. But farmers fear that these new laws will actually in the end drive down their livelihoods, uh, see their crop prices go down and they fear that the minimum prices that they get for certain crops will in the long run go away. So that is why they are continuing to protest. U.S. greenhouse gas emissions had the biggest fall since the end of the Second World War last year as the economy shut down amidst the pandemic. Preliminary figures show overall emissions were down over 10%. Here's the BBC's Matt McGrath. Economic activity in the U.S. ground to a halt last spring as states responded to the rapid onset of coronavirus. Stay-at-home orders and bans on non-essential travel saw airports deserted and freeways empty. As a result, greenhouse gas emissions from transport were down almost 15% compared to 2019. While demand for electricity showed a small decline, emissions from the sector plummeted due to the rapid decline of coal-fired power generation. The overall drop was far bigger than 2009's Great Recession. But with the economy now rebounding, emissions are expected to rise once again in 2021. To sport, the Formula One season will now open in Bahrain rather than Australia as scheduled. F1 says the Australian Grand Prix, originally slated for March the 21st, has been moved to November because of the pandemic. That means the 2021 season will begin with the Bahrain Grand Prix on March the 28th. The Chinese race, scheduled for April in Shanghai, has also been postponed, but no new date was announced. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Ten more people who live in an old tenement block in Jordan are confirmed with COVID-19. Experts warn only around a third of people here may be willing to get vaccinated against the coronavirus. And Carrie Land says district councillors and chief executive election committee members may need to take oaths of allegiance. The news from RTHK. Thanks a lot to Todd Harding. Uh, we'll have more news coming up at midnight. Kevin Lewis August 1973 Gladys Knight and the Pips 
Midnight Train to Georgia from uh, 1973, the number one hit, Gladys Knight and the Pips, uh, the American R&B Soul Funk Family Music Group. That's how it's described. 